Champ Fanghorn, sports guy over at WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I'll be bringing you all the action from the ballpark this year. The Cozy Corner Cauldrons are set to make a title run. Get your peanuts and your Cracker Jacks and join me, Champ Fanghorn, sports guy at WKMF Cozy Corner for all the action. Play ball! Sports! Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. What did the mummy say to the detective? I don't know. What? Let's wrap this case up. Boo. The late night fright begins now. Only on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. Listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. It's the witching hour. Time for the international sensation, The Late Night Fright, with your hosts, Dan and Faith. Welcome, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is my very lovely, my very talented, my very funny co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? It's good to see you. I'm doing very well. So we uh, we have a good show tonight. Yes, we do. We have a real good show tonight. We are going to be talking about the 1978 movie Halloween, directed by John Carpenter. And Faith, I have it on pretty good authority. This is your favorite Booger movie. This actually might be my favorite movie. Your ever. favorite movie <laughs> ever. So this is a you've been looking forward to this oh, one. Yes. <laughs> when we started this show, you were pretty adamant that we needed to do Halloween. Yep. I was adamant that we needed to do Halloween, but we wanted to wait, get a few shows under our belt because mm-hmm. we wanted to really knock this one out the park. So I'm looking forward to it. But it's a special super duper double episode. Ooh. It's two parts. We're going to be talking about the 1978 John Carpenter classic. But we are also going to be talking about the two direct sequels, 1981's Halloween 2 and 2018's Halloween. Not to be confused with the 1978 Halloween. And I hope no one has confused the 1978 and 2018 movies with each other. But we're going to get to that in a little while. So uh, a little bit of business. We have had a loss in the paranormal community. Uh, Miss Lorraine Warren passed away. And at the time of this recording, it's going to be today that this happened. So you were about a week behind everyone with the show coming out. But uh, she passed away today. And Faith, do you want to tell our listeners who she is if they don't know who she is already? Oh, she's, uh, you put me on the spot there. (laughs) I did put you on the spot. I mean, I know she's basically um, a demonologist, or she was a demonologist for many, many years. Also, the the conjuring is kind of. The Conjuring based series is based on her and her husband Ed. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she was uh, she was a medium, and she did a lot yep. of uh, paranormal investigation and cleansing. And uh, the most famous case of which is the Amityville Horror she was involved in. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't know who she is, look her up. She's a very interesting lady, and 
yeah, there are some skeptics out there, I'm sure, but uh, mm-hmm. I actually think she was the real deal. I think so too. I, I loved really, her. I really, yeah, she was she was a neat lady, and uh, she meant no one any harm. Nope. So she was. Uh, she will be missed, and I think she brought a lot of this to the to the forefront. Mm-hmm. When you say to the to the mainstream, some of this paranormal of investigation, course. yeah, and Vera Farmiga plays her in the Conjuring movies, and she does a great job. And those are some those are some really well done movies. Very we need movies. to we're going to need to get into those absolutely. I think so. Uh, so that's the big news today. That's the uh, the paranormal news. Uh, if you've been following things, the trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine has come out, and uh, a very familiar face is in it. Mr. Billy D. Williams is Lando Calrissian. You like Lando don't you? I love Lando. Is he one of your favorite characters in the entire franchise? I think he might be, yeah. He's he's definitely one of mine. And my good friend Cade wanted me to say this to all the listeners out there because we had this conversation. Uh, we do believe, if you've seen the trailer, he gives a nice hearty laugh as the Falcon goes into hyperspace. And we have a source that tells us that is actually the last scene in the movie. The movie builds to Lando Calrissian reclaiming his ship from the dead Han Solo. And taken off in the hyperspace without a care about what's going on in the rest of the galaxy. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. I can get behind that. Me too. We we haven't really been too down with the with the new Star Wars movies, Mm-mm. have we? Not, not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. So uh, if if we didn't lose you on that, we definitely hope we don't lose you later when we talk about a certain movie we're gonna be talking about tonight. It's not the 1978 Halloween that we're no, not <laughs> that we're gonna we have a few things to say, but um, anyway, I think it's gonna be a great show. This is one of my favorite movies. Thanks. This is one of the greatest movies I think ever made, and I am excited to talk about it. And oh, look, we have a very special news report coming across the desk. All right, this just came across the desk from the Cozy Corner Police Department. Perry Parcheesi has escaped from the Cozy Grove Rehabilitation Center. Faith, you remember you remember Perry Parcheesi, don't do. you? <laughs> Forty years ago, he killed three babysitters and a pizza delivery driver. Do you remember hearing about this? I sure That is a do. legend around here, and this is a weird place, and this is one of those things that just makes us very strange. So Perry Parcheesi has escaped, and tonight is the night that he killed those three people and that pizza delivery driver. Now, oh, wow. the interesting part about this story is he left the pizza, and his doctor thinks it's because it was ham and pineapple and apparently Parcheesi did not consider that to be real pizza that's some of the best pizza well he didn't think so so um Perry Parcheesi is on the loose here in Cozy Corner uh well he's not here in Cozy Corner yet he's apparently making his way here but Faith I just have a feeling that he'll end up here at some point he's gonna show up here (laughs) at some point um I'm sure it always seems to happen to us so if you're out there lock your doors bolt your windows Don't answer the door for strangers. Perry Parcheesi is loose. So please be safe out there. Well, you know, a mass murder coming our way, notwithstanding. I'm really excited about tonight's show. What about you? I am very excited. We're going to be talking about the 1978 John Carpenter classic Halloween when we come back. But Faith, you know what time it is. It's time for Booger of the Week. It's time for the Booger of the Week, and we've got a good one this week. We will see you on the other side. Butter of the week. Booger of the week. 
This week's booger is an Oscar-nominated performer. West Virginia-born Brad Dorif earned an Academy Award nomination for Supporting Actor for his role as Billy Bibbit in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but he achieved monster movie immortality for his role as Charles Lee Ray and the voice of the killer doll Chucky in 1988's Child's Play. He would portray Chucky in a total of seven films and has also appeared in Alien Resurrection, as Sheriff Brackett in Rob Zombie's reimagining of the Halloween series, and was Grimma Wormtongue in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Doris' voice performance as the killer doll helped propel Chucky to the Slasher Hall of Fame, and the character is often mentioned alongside fellow 80s slashers Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. A 2019 reboot of the series starring Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky is about to hit theaters, but Dorf is set to return in a sci-fi original series entitled Chucky. Our friend until the end, Brad Dorf as Chucky is our Booger of the Week. Cozy Grove Mental Health Facility, Cozy Corner's premier serial killer rehabilitation center. Our courteous staff is available 24-7 for a professional clinical diagnosis. Doctor, what do you think of this patient? Pure evil. Cozy Grove Mental Health Facility, a subsidiary of Welsh Jennings. Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. What do ghosts serve for dessert? Don't know what. Ice cream. Ooh. We'll be right back. What do you think of the new music? I love it. That's pretty good. I love it. We'll see you on the other side. The Cozy Corner Community Playhouse proudly presents a production of A Nightmare on Elm Street, starring Faith of the Late Night Fright and Bobby host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. Hello? I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Wow, Bobby, you're getting really good at that. Yeah, I've been practicing. Can you teach me how to do that? Yeah, in your dreams. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Only at the Cozy Corner Community Playhouse. Welcome to prime time, bitch! Whoa, that was really good. Yeah, that wasn't me. Welcome back, boogers. I am your host, Dan. And I am Faith. And we are going to be talking about the 1978 John Carpenter classic, Halloween. Now, we have a little bit of a situation here in Cozy Corner tonight. Perry Parcheesi, who 40 years ago murdered three babysitters, 
and a pizza delivery guy, but he did not take the ham and pineapple pizza. He uh, escaped from Cozy Grove Rehabilitation Center. Now, that's the... Uh, that's the rehabilitation center right outside of town that is set up for serial killers. So he's probably making his way here. We're probably I'm not sure going to finish the show. I'm pretty sure we're going to see him before the night is over. But before he shows up here, Faith, we're going to talk about one of your favorite movies, right? Right. So let me give you a little background on this. The Halloween franchise is the direct descendant of Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 masterpiece Psycho. And Psycho is one of the founding members of the slasher genre and maybe, just maybe, the most influential horror series of all time. Halloween, not Psycho. I think the Halloween series is the most influential of all time. The original film was made for $300,000. That's equivalent to about 1.2 when you account for inflation, 1.2 million. It was released on October 25th, 1978, and it went on to gross $47 million at the North American box office, which is about $181 million when you take into account inflation. And for a modern comparison, that would be on par with the earnings of a movie like A Quiet Place or Get Out. But I think Halloween probably had more of a cultural impact than those two movies, as good as those movies are. The 1978 film made a star out of the then-unknown Jamie Lee Curtis. We've heard of her. and made John Carpenter a household name among directors. A franchise was born. To date, there have been 11 films released in the Halloween series. There have also been numerous novelizations, comic books, and video games based on the property. And in 2006, John Carpenter's Halloween was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. That is one of the highest honors a film can achieve, and this movie achieved it, and rightfully so, I believe. Faith? You've been waiting a while for this one. Fred Krueger and the Elm Street series are my go-to franchise. Your boyfriend, Michael Myers, and the Halloween movies are yours. Let's start by talking about the franchise as a whole. 11 films over 41 years and counting. Why do you think these movies are as popular as they are, and why do you love them? Very good question. Um, I think these movies are so popular because of how scary they really are. You know, they're, they're, I mean, they're pretty terrifying. And they're very real. You agree? I completely agree. It's like we talked about with Stephen King last week in Annie Wilkes and Misery. There's a level of realism to these yep. that's not present in the Jason or the Freddy movies. Uh, but like we said, it harkens back to Psycho. Right. And there's a there's that level of realism and creepiness. And uh, I think one of the great things about the Michael Myers character is that you really don't know too much about him. Exactly. What drives him. So is that is that where your love of this comes from? The the um, creep factor of these movies? Not necessarily. That was just kind of why I think it's, you know, so popular. I mean, I love it because I guess a lot of scary movies either have to have ghosts or monsters or something, you know, kind of different. But you just have this man in a Captain Kirk mask with a butcher knife running loose. Right. And it's it's just brilliant. I love it. And it's it's I, a real simple thing. Yeah, and I grew up watching this movie and instantly knew that I loved it. It's 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 an experience to watch to watch Halloween. We're going to talk a little more about the experience of watching mm-hmm. Halloween in a bit. I was doing research for the show, and I found where John Carpenter talked about uh, Sam Hain, and he talks about he mentioned Sam Hain in the second movie uh, in particular. Remember, it was on the blackboard when Loomis mm-hmm. goes into the school, and Sam Hain is a time in Irish mythology where the door to the other world is opened. And it allows the souls of the dead and supernatural beings to come into our world. And 
Uh, found this quote from Deborah Hill. She's the co-writer and producer of the movie, and she is an awesome lady. We're going to talk about her in a bit. She said, and this is a direct quote, the idea was that you couldn't kill evil, and that was how we came about with the story. We went back to the old idea of Sam Hain. The Halloween was the night where all the souls were let out to wreak havoc on the living, and then came up with the story about the most evil kid who ever lived. And when John came up with this fable of a town with a dark secret of someone who wants to live there, and now that evil has come back, that's what made Halloween work. I completely agree with that. I do too. And I think what makes this movie work on a subconscious level is the eternal struggle between good and evil. And that goes all the way back to the beginnings of storytelling mythology. It's in the book of Genesis. It's in our great epic poems. It's in Westerns. It's in infinity war. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be an end game that's coming out <laughs> very soon. Uh, people recognize this struggle because it is ingrained in our subconscious. And now you have a character who is conscious evil, and he's moving about in the world deliberately, deliberately. How's that? I had to deliberately say deliberately. He's deliberately wreaking havoc and bringing death and destruction to everything he touches. We recognize this. We are fearful creatures. We're all scared of something. And this conscious evil that's moving about has an expressionless mask, as you said, and you can project any kind of fear on that mask. And the great secret, see, Hollywood knows this, and that's why they keep putting these movies out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have notes here. I'm just turning the page. <laughs> we, we prepared extra good for you people tonight, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm extra prepared. <laughs> so, um, that was my overly analytical answer to that question. <laughs> My other answer to the question is Halloween is just a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. And the character of Michael Myers is just way too cool. So one of the interesting features of this franchise is that there are four distinct timelines. That's five if you count the Rob Zombie movies. Do we want to count the Rob Zombie movies? For the purposes of tonight, we're going to count them as they are in the series. I know you're not a big fan of the Rob Zombie movies. Not really. I'm not I'm not either. So, uh, here we go. Here are the movies in order. Are you ready for this? Mhm. Halloween 1978, Halloween 2 1981, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch 1982, Halloween 4 The Return of Michael Myers 1988, Halloween 5 The Revenge of Michael Myers 1989, Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers 1995, Halloween H2O 1998. Halloween Resurrection 2002, the remakes, Halloween and Halloween 2, those are 2007 and 2009, and finally, Halloween 2018. Now, we have joked on this show before about the timelines. Would you like, do you know what the timelines are? <laughs> do, you, do you have them there in front of you? I do have them in front of me. All right, please explain to the listeners what the timeline, how, the, how these timelines work. This is more confusing than an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> So one, two, four, five, and six form a complete story. One, two, H2O, and Resurrection are a complete story. One and the 2018 sequel are a complete story. The remakes are their own self-contained story, and three is an unrelated story that stands on its own. It's just that simple. <laughs> it's just that simple. That simple, yes. So we... uh <laughs> we're going to be talking tonight about the original 1978 film, but we're also going to be talking now, now the episode right now is going to be the 1978 movie. The bonus episode is really a two part episode. 
is going to be focused on the two direct sequels, which is 1981's Halloween 2 and 2018's Halloween. Now, two of the movies, actually three of the movies in the series are all named Halloween. Now, tell me that's not confusing. That's <laughs> So, Faith, what do you think? Are you ready to go to Haddonfield, Illinois? I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready to go. We will see you on the other side. Todd Wick, former Hells Angel, ordained minister, and owner of Holy Smoke, Cozy Corner's premier Christian vape shop. Join me every Sunday at 7 a.m. right here on WKMF as we discuss the latest in vape juices and salvation. Tell them what we've got this week, Shasta. That's my wife. You're a wizard, Harry. Baby, are you reading from that wizard book again? Yes, yeah, Harry Potter. I love him. I thought it was from Harry Potter. You know that book's of the devil? It's Harry Potter, okay? Holy Smoke, every Sunday at 7 a.m., only on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. Well, what's the flavor of the week, baby? It's Birdie Bot's Every Flavored Beans. Seriously, baby, put that book down so the devil won't quit talking like that. No. I really like this new music. I really do, too. Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. Why did the Cyclops give up teaching? Uh, I don't know. He only had one pupil. Boo. At least the music's good. That's about it. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, it's Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. You know, Cozy Corner's kind of a weird place. A lot of strange stuff goes on around here. After Dan and Faith are done talking about the boogers and the creepy crawlies, join me for Afterglow. What is Afterglow? Afterglow specializes in playing the best classic R&B and soul cuts. That's right, music to get you dancing, or to help you get it on, you know what I'm saying? If you're getting it on, thinking about getting it on, or perhaps have just gotten it on, I salute you, and also invite you to join me, Bobby, for Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. I'll play you some good music, share some workout tips, Help you with your hammer curls. You never know what's going to happen on Afterglow. See you there. Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are talking about the 1978 John Carpenter classic, Halloween. Faith, let's forget about all of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Let's get right to the star of the movie. This is one of the all-time great boogers and an icon in the horror genre. You love him. He's your boyfriend. Go ahead and introduce him. I would like to introduce Mr. Michael Myers, my boyfriend. Very good. (laughs) Um, Dan, what is it about this character that keeps us coming back? Uh, Let's see. So we saw this together at Halloween as part Mm -hmm. of the 40th anniversary celebration. And it had been a while since I had seen it and what got me. And I mentioned this on the Scream episode, the very first episode. And if you haven't listened to it, you should definitely go check that out. Uh, What struck me was the mask 
was the absolute lack of expression on it. And this ties in with what we talked about earlier. You can project anything you want onto that mask. So that's the practical, what you can see nature of what I think makes him so scary. But then there's the underlying subconscious things. Uh, he's an unstoppable force of nature. Evil has come to Haddonfield and it will not stop until its thirst has been quenched. And it, he can, it cannot be quenched. He will just keep killing. So uh, sequels notwithstanding, he kills indiscriminately. He kills just to kill. He's not supernatural, but Dr. Loomis would have us believe that he is some kind of evil being from the other side. And I think that really works for this character. Mm -hmm. So what do you think um, about why do you think why do you keep going back to him? Because he's terrifying. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I don't know. Just everything about him. He just has this quality that. I like watching him because he actually scares me. That's the way I feel about Fred Krueger. I yeah. like that. You know, and, and Fred Krueger doesn't do that for me. And he, you know, and he's Michael never Myers, scared me. But just Michael Myers, he just Michael he Myers me. has never terrified me. Now, I mean, it, it's it's creeped me out, but he, not on right. that really inside level like like Fred Krueger. Right. Does, I mean, when I continues. I've watched this movie. I can't. I don't know how old I was, but young and. Um, I would think he was hiding in my closet, you know? Right. I thought he was right. in there. He, well, he's, it's, uh, he would do that. So let me ask you, here's a, here's our next question. What are some of your favorite parts of the iconography with Michael Myers? I love the way he moves. I love that he does not speak. Um, I think I say this in most episodes, his eyes. Or sometimes <laughs> lack of. Yeah. Right. But I mean, that's all you see under this mask. And mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Um, like I said, the mask is just terrifying that you can't tell any expression on his face. And right. I love the way he kind of stalks people in a way. I like his physicality. Yeah. I like the way he moves. And the me one too. that always sticks out to me is when he's crossing the street to Jamie Lee Curtis's mm-hmm. house. And the way it's just mechanical. Yes. It's, it's like uh, if you've ever seen the old Dragnet TV show, it's like Joe Friday walking across the street or... Um, it, it reminds me of the shark in Jaws. It, he go. has mm-hmm. one purpose, and that one purpose is to get across the street yep. and wreak havoc. And he's <laughs> not going to stop until he does that. And I also like the way his head is always straight. I do too. Every now and then he'll cock that mm-hmm. head. And famously, there's the scene in the 78 movie where he, uh, how will we put it? He he stabs the guy and just puts him up on the wall. Mm-hmm. and kind of backs up admires his handiwork and tilts his head like a dog (laughs) like a dog it's if it wasn't so creepy it'd be precious Mm -hmm. like like an artist admiring um, his work (laughs) admiring his work like curious dog um i think the best tribute to michael myers and to this movie is that they both set the bar really high for the slasher genre Mm -hmm. uh psycho black christmas and the texas chainsaw massacre rightfully i believe get noticed for being founding members of this slasher club but this movie sets the bar for everything that comes after it and set the stage for a lot of themed slasher movies too, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Graduation Day, Sleepaway Camp, Slumber Party Massacre, and Friday the 13th. So I'm curious, and I, I don't know if one exists, if there's an Arbor Day slasher movie. If not, we need to write write this movie. I have a tagline for it already. I just thought this. What you got? Uh, Planting the Seeds of Fear. <laughs> There you right. go. It's a it's a gardener. Oh, we're doing this, Faith. Uh, copyright 2019, The Late Night Fright. If anybody's out there listening. We need to write this down. Arbor Day. That's Arbor just going to be the name of it, Arbor Day. Uh, let's see. So 
I, I, you know, joking aside, I think you're doing something right when you're the standard by which all the other ones are judged. And one Absolutely. last thing about what makes him so scary is something we talked about with Misery and with Annie Wilkes. This could happen. You mentioned that. This yep. is not outside the realm of possibility and I think it makes it just absolutely terrifying. Yep, that is one thing that's always stood out is the fact that, like I said, he's not right. a monster. He's not a ghost. He's not some weird creature. He's just, you know, this guy out for <laughs> Right. <laughs> I think our main character in Arbor Day is also going to be a, a normal human being. But we can talk about that on the break. <laughs> uh, so we talked about Jamie Lee Curtis on the Prom Night episode, but the <laughs> biggest star of the movie at the time it was released was the veteran character actor Donald Pleasance, who plays Dr. Loomis. Uh, what do you think of Donald Pleasance in this movie? I adore my, I, I love him. I don't think I have enough words for him. I think he brings a sense of, um, what's a good word? Is relief a good word? That kind of, um, not relief, maybe, um. It's interesting because he grounds the movie, but he also does. He also brings it to a different place. Right. He's a. I can't find the word that I'm looking for of what, what he does for me in that sense. He brings an, an interesting energy to it. Yeah, but I think because he knows Michael in that way. Right. I think it kind of brings something different to it, and you can't help but to love him. Right. Donald Pleasance. Uh, do you know much about him? Not too much. He's no. an interesting guy. He was born the fifth of October, nineteen nineteen. In 1939, he began performing with the Jersey Repertory Company, and he was a conscientious objector to World War II. I have some big words in my notes tonight, <laughs> and, and I am I am just <laughs> I'm just tripping all over them. Uh, so he was a conscientious objector to World War II. He refused conscription into the British Armed Forces, but he changed his mind after the 1940 attack on London. He joined the Royal Air Force and flew almost 60 raids over occupied Europe on August 31st, 1944. He was taken prisoner after his plane was shot down and he was a prisoner of war. We mentioned James Whale on the old Dark House episode. Mm -hmm. Remember what we talked about with him? He was a POW mm -hmm. uh, and he did theater productions while uh, prisoner of war. Well, Donald Pleasance did the same thing. He participated in theater productions while a German POW and he was treated very well and got back into acting after his release in the end of the war. He went on to appear in some classic films, including The Great Escape in 1962, The Greatest Story Ever Told in 1965 about Jesus's life, and guess who he played in that movie? The devil? Satan. Ooh. <laughs> 1967's James Bond film, You Only Live Twice. He played the arch nemesis Ernst Stavro Blofeld, and he was also in George Lucas's 1971 directorial debut, THX 1138. So what do you think he brings to this movie? Those things that you just mentioned, is there anything else that you think he brings? See, I can't find the word of what I'm technically looking for. Um, I just know I'm, he's, he's probably one of my favorite parts of the whole entire movie. Absolutely. Um, I like him here a lot. He's playing, uh, what I like about him and the character is he's playing a man of science who does not have all the answers, and he's terrified. That's mm -hmm. what's great about this character. Right. He's terrified. He's terrified, but he like never gives up. Yes. And there's a breathy quality to what he's doing, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about how James Caan's performance as Paul Sheldon in Misery made Kathy Bates uh, better. And I think what he does here makes Michael Myers even scarier. Oh, yeah. uh, plus, uh, and this is a note I made, if Game of Thrones has taught us anything, it's that important information relayed to the audience always sounds better in a British accent. 
Of so. course. I love his voice, too. I do, too. I love he has love a, it. He has a wonderful voice. Now, he was not the first choice to play Dr. Loomis. Do you know who were the top two choices? Do you know who those gentlemen are? I know one was, was it Christopher Lee? One was Christopher Lee. The other was Peter Cushing. That's it. And uh, they were unavailable, so we ended up with Donald Pleasance. Could you have seen either of them playing this role? Of course. I think they both would have been excellent at the role. But I'm glad Donald did it. <laughs> Even though I know, you know, either one of them would have nailed it. There's I could actually see Peter Cushing doing it more than I could Christopher Lee, but I could see both of them doing it. But uh, Christopher Lee said the biggest regret of his career was not doing this movie. I don't blame him. <laughs> and uh, he, he loved he loved the movie. And I could see either of those guys. But we talked about this. Uh, sometimes the best choice is not your first choice. Exactly. I think he is just excellent here. Me too. Um, he... Like I said, they would have brought something, but I think he's the perfect choice for this. Um, and I think he's another reason why this has remained as popular as it has for the past 40 or so years. And his response when asked by the producers about how many Halloween movies he planned on making was, I stop at 22. I believe he's in six. <laughs> he passed away before he gets to 22. So uh, They went on to become good friends, he and John Carpenter. He was in uh, 1981's Escape from New York. He was also in 1987's Prince of Darkness. Um, but let's go ahead and move on. There are other actors and actresses in this movie. Uh, the actresses that are in this movie are Nancy Kyes and PJ Souls, but we are only going to talk about one of the actresses in this movie tonight. And Faith, do you know who we're going to talk about? Is it Jamie Lee Curtis? We talked about her, as I said, <laughs> on the Prom Night episode. If you want to hear a little bit more about her story and her place in horror history as a Scream Queen and Final Girl, go ahead and give that a listen. We're not going to cover that tonight, but we are going to be talking about Laurie Strode, her most famous character, mm -hmm. maybe, what made her a star. Faith, why is she such a good Laurie Strode? I think she's very um, relatable as a character, and I like that she fights back. She's not afraid of him. I like her vulnerability. Mm -hmm. She grounds the movie. We have to have somebody to root for. Exactly. Dr. Loomis is really cool, but he's not exactly relatable. Right. Laurie Strode is the girl next door. Exactly. And um, I, there's something about her. She She's wasn't charming. the first choice either. There was, <laughs> I forget who the other one was, another famous daughter of a, of a famous actress. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you've got the connection of Psycho with her and... I like her. I, I, I just, too. I like what she does. I could picture anybody else playing her. Um, she's also not a complete idiot. Right. Um, she's very reactive in the movie, but uh, she fights back, even though she's outmatched. She mm -hmm. protects the children. And it's not that I want any of the girls to die, but she's definitely the one that you don't want anything bad to happen to. And she actually carries the movie because Dr. Loomis is only in 18 minutes of oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it seems like he's in more. <laughs> but she really carries the movie and you identify whether this is why this works. Exactly. And 41 years after the fact, it is still working. Yep. So what do you think? I think she's incredible. I think she's incredible, too. So... <laughs> uh, Oh, the phone is lighting up, should, Faith. Should we go for I it? I think we should take it. You know, we haven't always had good luck with phone calls, no. but let's go ahead and do it. You are on the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. What is on your mind tonight? Faith, what is that? I have no idea. Sounds like heavy breathing. I know. 
You think it's an obscene phone call? Possibly. This isn't one of your ex-boyfriends, is it? I hope not. You don't think that's... Is this Perry Parcheesi? Hello? Hello? You're on WKMF, Late Night Fright. Well, I hung up. Hmm, how rude. That's, you know, that was a first for us. We've never had anything like that happen to us. And we've had some weird things happen. Maybe that's a good thing, then. Maybe it is. He's probably on his way here. He was probably checking to make sure that we're probably in the studio. So. so, well, we are going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to continue our discussion of the 1978 John Carpenter classic, Halloween. We will see you on the other side. <laughs> While Dan and Faith collect their notes for the next segment of the Late Night Fright, WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio asks for a minute of your time to enjoy this lovely piece of music before we get back to the show. sensation the late night fright with your host Dan and Faith. Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, what did you think about that track? I think it's called A Minute of Your Time. That was absolutely wonderful. I liked it. I'm glad the station is starting to do those kind of things. Me too. That's very good. So, Faith, let's get back to it. The 1978 John Carpenter Halloween film. The guy who is responsible for this whole endeavor is a pretty amazing guy. Do you know much about Mr. Carpenter? I don't know too much about him. He is a director, he's a screenwriter, and he is a composer. Mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. He's one of the most influential filmmakers of the past 40 or so years, and when you look at the list of people who cite him as a major influence, it's it's basically a who's who of Hollywood. It's easier to list the guys and girls that don't, no. that don't list him as an influence. Um, he has mostly stayed out of the Hollywood system, and he would occasionally pop in and direct something. Uh, his golden period is the 70s and 80s, and most everything he directed there is a cult classic. Would you like for me to give you the list of these films? Do it. Because I have the list here in front of me. Let's go for it. So I'm just going to go ahead and go for it. Dark Star from 1974. Assault on Precinct 13, 1976. Halloween, 1978. TV movie Someone's Watching Me, 1978, as I said. 1979 television film Elvis, starring Kurt Russell. That's where they met. The Fog in 1980. Escape from New York in 1981. The Thing in 1982. Christine from 1983, Starman 1984, Big Trouble in Little China 1986, 
Prince of Darkness from 87, and finally They Live in 1988. And a lot of people say that's his golden period. Uh, the 90s weren't as kind to him commercially. as uh, He's kind of in semi-retirement now. He did return to help with the score on the 2018 film, and he did put his name on it, mm-hmm. so that was nice of him. Uh, what exactly, now I've, I've listed those films, what do you think of him? Oh, he's incredible. Two of my favorite movies ever are his movies. <laughs> which which two are on that? Halloween and The Thing. And The Thing. Mm-hmm. I think his films are amazing, and I think his reputation is very well earned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very partial to The Thing. Right. <laughs> We're going to do an episode on The Thing. We have to. But I wanted to get him introduced into like our canon here, mm-hmm. to spend a little time with him before, because The Thing is so good. So. That's amazing. And if you haven't figured out, if you've been following the show, this is kind of how we work. We introduce someone... That way, then, when we get to a kind of a seminal work, then you don't have to spend as much time talking about Jamie Lee Curtis. You can just get right into the movie. So this movie started life from an idea by producer Erwin Yablins called The Babysitter Murders. It was offered to Mr. Carpenter after uh, the producer saw Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, Carpenter wanted creative control, and he wanted Deborah Hill as his producer, and we have to talk about her. She is the producer and co-writer of Halloween. She passed away in 05, but she was... A real trailblazer. She wrote most of the dialogue for the women in this film. And he said that working with her was one of the greatest experiences of my life. This is the part I like here. She had a passion for not just movies about women or women's ideas, but films for everybody. So there seems to be a lot of synergy at work here. Do you think this is reflected in what we see on the screen? Absolutely, I do. Do you? Absolutely, yeah. I do. I think everyone was working towards making the, the best product possible. Absolutely. Uh, and they gave him the the uh, carte blanche to make his vision of that haunted house movie, as we said. So let's talk about Deborah Hill for just a second. Now, this isn't in the notes, but I, I wanted to bring this up. She, you know, do you get the idea that a lot of movies today are agenda-driven? Yes. I don't want to get into the politics no, of it. I don't either, but But yes. I think people out there... Uh, would agree with us that there are some agenda driven mm-hmm. film. That's fine. You have a right to right. to your voice. That's fine. I like that she made movies for everybody. I did too. And she was a really awesome lady. If you don't know who she is, really look her up. Uh, she is responsible for one of my favorite movies of all time, Clue from 1985, starring Tim Curry, who just had a birthday. Mm-hmm. And, and what a great guy he is. Uh, so one of the many hats that Carpenter wore on this movie is that of composer movie begins with his iconic Halloween theme. Tell me what you think of this piece of music and how it sets the mood for the tale that is about to unfold. Well, first off, you're right. It is iconic. It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of the most creepy crawly tracks out there, right? Uh, it is. Um, it's, it's probably one of my favorite pieces of music ever, ever made. What is it about that? That, that it's you creepy. like it's creepy it's creepy it's creepy you have I mean, problems you know that right i know i have problems. you know that i say that lovingly i mean i play this song like all year not just at halloween <laughs> so i guess i am a little weird i listened to it getting ready for the show and i was immediately just i went oh this is so good I know. you know it's immediate it's that, it's that drum machine and the piano have, have, have discussed the dark roads and me listening to this song no please tell us about sometimes it. occasionally i like to go down a very dark road not a lot of houses. Uh, symbolic, literally or figuratively? Literally. Literally here. <laughs> and just put this song on with the windows down. That's it. Just, it's creepy. <laughs> and it's entertaining. I don't know. <laughs> and there's something beautiful about it, too. There is. Um, the synth-heavy soundtrack, that's one of his calling cards. And I absolutely love this piece of music. And here's a fun little musical trivia bit. Do you know what time signature it's in? 
5-4. It's in 5-4. So you taught me that. And most popular tunes are in 4-4. Four, four. This is for the, for the lay people out there. Uh, so there's four beats to a measure, but this one has five, and it is a little jarring. Uh, it's also very unrelenting in what it's doing, just like the booger at the center of the movie. So I think it's great. Me I think too. all of his scores are, are great. Um, do you know he did a theme for Shudder? Really? He did. He wrote the music for the, the Shudder theme. Yes. We so can't, like when the movie comes on, right? Before yeah. The movie? Okay, because see, I just yeah. watched something yesterday, and I was like, oh, I love this this music, so... So uh, we can't go an episode without mentioning Shudder. Have we mentioned Robert England yet? So Robert England needs to be on the show, and we haven't mentioned the Pfeiffer. (laughs) So Pfeiffer, the Pfeiffer, needs to be on the show. Robert England needs to be on the show, and everyone needs to have Shudder. Exactly. Someone from Shudder needs to come be on the show. So uh, the late film critic Roger Ebert, uh, who was pretty dismissive of the slasher genre, said of this film that it was a visceral experience. We aren't seeing the movie. We're having it happen to us. It's frightening. Maybe you don't like movies that are really scary. Then don't see this one. What do you think (laughs) of that? Uh, Do you agree with him that the movie happens to you? Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) He's right about if you don't want to be scared, don't watch this movie. Because it's pretty scary. I like the way that he shot this movie with the background and the foreground composition. I like the way that it takes its time in establishing the settings. It Mm -hmm. feels like fall. It feels like autumn. You feel like you're being watched. Even when you're doing the watching, you feel like you're being watched. There's something very off-putting about this movie. Uh, I've seen this movie dozens of times. How many times have you seen it? Would you, if you just dozens of times, does it still get you? Every time. I go back to Halloween when we went and saw it. And how it just had an effect on me seeing it on the big screen. Having seen it so many times. Um, There have been a lot of attempts with this movie to look for deeper meaning. Uh, John Carpenter brushes them all off. Do you think there's a deeper meaning in this? Honestly, I've never sat around and thought about one. So I can't say. He he really does say, he goes, no, there's nothing in there. I don't think so. Feminists try to make. I mean, even when I try to watch, I watch most movies and like, hmm, I wonder what this is really about. And watching this one, I don't sit there and. He, uh, like I said, feminists have tried to read into it. Uh, a lot of different, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, professors, you know, uh, mm-hmm. scholarly scholars have looked for meaning in this. Uh, there's a lot of interesting theories out there. I don't buy any one of them. There's one that says it's a power thing, and, and when Michael takes his mask off, then men are happy. It's something with, you know. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, like hmm. power and struggle and all this. And, I don't know. I'm too busy being scared to, to think uh, about I'm it. I'm not even paying attention and, to it. Uh, and he says that there's not a deeper meaning in it. And, you know, we've talked about Elm Street before. I think there's deeper meanings right. in that mm-hmm. with fear. This is just, there's evil in the world. Exactly. It's out there. Exactly. And that's a fact. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, this film um, isn't particularly gory, but there's uh, there's very little on-screen violence mm-hmm. in it. Uh but what is there is very impactful. Why do you think the violence here works? Because it's just, it's done in a, I don't want to say a, a real way. I think the way that it's shown, camera angles, all the suspense it leads to. The tension. There he builds go. tension there throughout this time. And we're going to talk about tension when we talk about another movie in the series. I'm not going to give it away here, but... This movie takes its time building tension, and it's not exceptionally gory. Mm-mm. But uh, the scene that sticks out to me is the one in the car, the, when he kills the girl in the car, yep. and how utterly brutal that is, but not gory. Mm-mm. And you feel it. 
He did. And because he took his time yep. setting up everything. Um, I really can't say enough good things about this movie. And I'm not going to because you just need to go watch I the know. movie. Because the movie's going to tell you everything everything that you need to know. But let's talk about the impact of this movie a little bit. Uh, this movie is the maybe the reason I love horror movies. Oh, it, it is for me, 100%. My my great friend Kate, I've mentioned him on the show before. He's not a big fan of horror movies, of booger movies. He loves this movie. He loves the thing. He Good. loves Carpenter's works. Um, absolutely adores this movie. I would you recommend this movie to someone who's not into horror movies? Oh, of course, because it's not like you said. It's not gory. So if you're not into horror because of gore, or, you know, violence stuff like that, I'd say watch it. Just just I just want to scare somebody. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said we we. We kind of dug into the movie. We didn't dig. Just watch the movie. It will, I think most people have seen this movie. <laughs> and most people have seen it, and it reveals itself yes. to you. And I think it's wonderful. And of his his filmography, I don't know if it's this or The Thing that's my favorite. It's, it's really hard to pick one. I know. I think I'm going to go Halloween, though. It's, um, it's been with me longer. Okay. There's almost maybe a nostalgia kind of thing. That's, you know, like I've right. just been watching it for so long. Every Halloween. Every single one. Right. watch this movie and so just, I think I have right. to go with it I, I think this is the greatest horror film ever made Me I too. think it's definitely the most influential and that's putting it past Psycho I, oh, I really yeah. think this this a notch above a knife blade above Psycho agree. knife blade above so <laughs> as we like to do here on the show we talk about our favorites so let's see we don't have a list in front of us let's uh, I made one you made a list well why don't you go I, ahead I, I made a list I, I put favorite kill do you have a favorite kill uh, my favorite kill. I have two favorite kills. We probably have the same. Can I have two favorite kills? Sure. Uh, I really like the car kill. Okay. I think that is the way that's filmed. I think right. is just exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just for nostalgia's sake, uh, I believe his name is it Bob. Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob getting killed in the kitchen. That was my notes. My notes fell in the ground. <laughs> or maybe it was Perry Parcheesi <laughs> coming to get us. Uh, Bob getting killed in the kitchen and the way that he kind of looks at him is definitely my favorite kill kill in the movie. What else do you have? I have favorite performance. What's your favorite performance? Uh, Donald Pleasance by far. Mine too. (laughs) But I'm going to give a special nod to Nick Castle who plays Michael Myers just for the physicality. I know that, you know, anybody could have done that, whatever. No, he he brings something to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, He got $25 a day. Really? Uh, yeah, twenty-five dollars. Yeah, I'm serious. Twenty-five dollars a day. Wow. Uh, also, I'm gonna give a special honorable mention to William Shatner. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> For a second, I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I was like, "Oh, the mask." Okay. The William Shatner mask. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because this thing really works because of the Shatner I, I mask. Know. Oh, I know. So, One what else? What else I do have we have, my friend? Favorite scene. Ooh. Okay, now, favorite scene or favorite, like, moment? Because there's a couple of moments that I really... I like when he's in the bushes. I like when he's in the uh, uh, laundry. Uh, But favorite scene, as far as from a directing standpoint, is the car kill. Uh, I also like when he just sits right up behind her when she's in the bedroom and he just I think that's that's in two. No, it's in the first one, after she's uh, come out the closet. And he's on the ground. I thought he, that was in two. No. I just watched two yesterday. No, it's before, uh, before he falls off the balcony. I swear it's that's It's right before Loomis two. comes in. Yeah, when okay, he just, that was in two yesterday? When he, it, it is at the beginning of two. <laughs> they reshow okay, it. Okay, well, maybe yes. that's what I'm thinking of. So that's why, just that's why you're confused. Okay. But no, when he just sits up, that's that to me is just oh. Michael Myers. So what about you? Uh, the whole thing. <laughs> See, you, you pick that up for me. I usually say all, all of them. All of them. <laughs> 
whole movie. I love it so much. Again, with moments, I love the uh, the clothesline, the bushes. Right. That's just that's Michael Myers to me. It the stalking aspect it's, of him. I know that's that's what. It and is. spending time with him, and you're not even seeing him doing the stalking, but you know you're with it. You're exactly. from his point of view. It's a great movie. I know. Uh, watch this movie. If you haven't seen it in a while, watch it again. If you just watched it, watch it again. If you've never seen it, watch it. You, you Are you with me on this one, Oh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you have any final thoughts on 1978's Halloween? I don't, other than that I love it so much. I could watch it all day long if I had to. And you have a problem. I don't know. I'd be right there with you watching it. <laughs> so, all right. So, this is the end of the part one discussion, 1978's John... Car- 1978's John Carpenter's Halloween because it's the official name of the movie yeah. John Carpenter's Halloween but before we take a break we are getting a phone call Faith do you think we should take another phone call uh, let's do it do you think this is another one of your boyfriends calling with an obscene phone I call of the week I hope not I hope not either alright here we go you are on the late night fright with Dan and Faith here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio what is on your mind tonight I met him 15 years ago, I, I was told there was nothing left. Who is this? You met no who? No reason, no uh, conscience, no who? understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of Faith, who is this? I don't know. Hello? Right or wrong. Sir, sir, you're I on the late... Where's the music coming six from? Six-year-old child with this... Wait, do you hear music in the background? Uh, yeah. face and... Who is this? The blackest eyes. Hello, sir. Eyes. Sir. So are you with I us? Spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another Who were you trying to reach? Where's the music coming from? Evil. For 15 years I've been obsessed what? to find out Sir? what was going on inside of Sir. him. Sir. It's been my life work. This is Dan with the Late Night Fright. You're on with Dan and Faith. This force, this thing that what? lived inside what of him thing? came from a source too violent too deadly for Can't you to imagine it. Faith, what is going on? It grew inside him. You sound like a stark raving lunatic. His soul. Whose soul? It are... was pure evil. Who? Oh, we hung up. What is going on, <laughs> I Faith? I have no idea. Why are you laughing? This is not funny. <laughs> this is not funny. I can't help it. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting a, um, I'm getting a message he here across he the desk. He was on the phone? I don't think he did. <laughs> Hold on, I'm getting slid a message here. Okay, that was that was Perry Parcheesi's doctor. He uh, he apparently is the one who was treating him at Cozy Grove, the rehabilitation center for serial killers. Uh, I don't think he knew he was on the phone. In fact, I don't think if he that did. was a butt dial, that's how he talks. Where was that music coming from? I have no idea. Oh, and Faith, uh, here is another special report. Cozy Corner Police want us to tell you that Perry Parcheesi is in Cozy Corner. Please lock your doors, bolt your windows, stay inside, be safe. Stay inside and listen to the show. Exactly. So he's out there. Faith, I have a bad feeling that he's he's heading here. I don't know. I he's, feel that too. He's not he's not your brother or anything, is he? I don't 
think so. I don't. I, I haven't heard that, but you know the way these things go. So it's definitely not my ex-boyfriend. So. Speaking of brothers and serial killers, we are going to continue this in part two, where we discuss 1981's Halloween two and 2018's Halloween. Definitely not to be confused with the 1978 John Carpenter classic. We are going to try and stay safe. We will see you on the other side. Thank you.